When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia. Movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. This is Cruise Radio. I cruise a lot, and I always sail with travel insurance. You should, too. Get a free quote today at TripInsurance.com. Broadcasting from the TripInsurance.com studios in Jacksonville, Florida. This is Cruise Radio. Hey, how's it going? My name is Doug Parker. Thank you so much for checking out this episode of Cruise Radio. Very happy to have you here, my friend. I hope you had yourself a Merry Christmas and a Happy Holiday. Staff writer Richard Sims is on deck with this week's Cruise News, and we just published a tour of Carnival Jubilee deck by deck. This is the non-narrated tour of just me taking the camera and walking from the bottom of the ship to the very top. If you want to check that out, it's on the Cruise Radio YouTube channel. All right, staff writer Richard Sims is here. Hey, Richard. Hey, Doug Parker. So we start off with some tragic news for one family traveling aboard a Royal Caribbean ship. Yeah, a 41-year-old man went overboard during a Christmas week cruise on Vision of the Seas. The incident took place on Saturday night, and by Monday, the Coast Guard had called off the search. Uh, This was after they combed an area covering about 1,600 square miles. The ship had sailed out of Baltimore and was about 125 miles off the coast of South Carolina when the incident took place. Uh, passengers, there were there were various reports on the internet, and passengers said that um, the initial announcement, you know, the Oscar, Oscar, Oscar starboard was heard around 7 p.m., uh, and then shortly after that, they were told what was going on and that the search was underway. Uh, the cruise line hasn't released the name of the missing passenger out of respect for the family, and there's also no information about the circumstances under which he went overboard. You know, there's there's never a good time for a family to be hit with something like this. But, geez, when you're on vacation and celebrating Christmas and, you know, this is going to be there every Christmas for the rest of their lives, this is, this is just the worst. It's, mm-hmm. you know, our thoughts have to go out to that family. And a town in France has been using a decommissioned ship to help house homeless people for the winter months. This is the kind of story that you kind of want to publicize in the hopes that other places might kind of hear about it and look for equally creative ways to deal with their own issues. So in the Bordeaux region of France, they've taken a former cruise ship. And it's not, you know, it's not like one of the big cruise ships that we think of. It's more, it's sort of more along the lines of a river cruise ship. Um, But they've taken it and turned it into a winter shelter for the homeless. It's a temporary shelter. Um, and there's a procedure in place. You call a phone number and get approval. And once you do, you're assigned to either a single or a double berth on board. You can stay on board from 4.30 p.m. until 8 a.m. And, you know, they'll feed you and, and, and all of that. And then you leave in the morning. Everyone has to leave by, I think it's 8 a.m. so that they can clean the ship and do whatever else needs to be done. And you can stay for up to two weeks with extensions possible under certain circumstances. So what that means is for two weeks, once you've been approved, 
you can basically go every day at 4.30. You have to go somewhere else, you know, during the day. But at 4.30 in the afternoon, you can go get on the ship and you have a place to stay and you have a meal and that whole thing. Um, it's all paid for by the state. And as one local representative said, it's not a permanent solution, but with about 100 people at a time being given a place to stay, it's definitely a start. We've heard about this kind of thing being proposed before. There was actually a suggestion last year, late last year in 2022. Um, New York City was kind of eyeing the possibility, but it was shot down by a coalition of several different groups who, you know, sort of their main concern seemed to be how people who were sheltered on a cruise ship, let's say, let's say, let's just say the Norwegian gem for, you know, not that the gem was in consideration, but I'm just picking that out of a hat. Let's just say a ship about the size of a Norwegian gem was docked at uh, the pier in Midtown Manhattan and could take people on board and they were doing the same kind of thing. The concern that these groups had was, well, that is not the most convenient location in the world. How are they going to get to school and jobs and things like that? So, you know, that was that was sort of one of the primary reasons that it was shot down. But honestly, that's that's sort of putting the cart before the horse because it's winter and people are freezing outside and maybe to give them a place to sleep and regroup and then figure out how to get them, you know, to school or shelter or to, you know, figure out a way to repatriate them, but at least get them off the streets and give them someplace warm. I I, I think the last thing they're really concerned about is the location of that. And also, you know, not for nothing, but I don't think midterm, the, the Midtown Manhattan Terminal is all that inconvenient. There's great transportation in that area. But anyway, it got shot down. So here's opening that, you know, this experiment in Bordeaux, which has been going on for several years, I, I believe it's like 2017 to 2018, um, that this sort of inspires others to do some creative thinking and try and solve the transient issues. Here's a story here that you probably don't think about when you're actually boarding a cruise ship. I fully confess to being a person who has never thought about this. But let's say you're on like one of the big Royal Caribbean ships and you're wandering through Central Park area. Where do those plants come from? It's not like they grow there naturally. Well, this week we got kind of an insight into that because the, the line's newest ship, Icon of the Seas, got a delivery of something like 10,000 plants. And they're now being, you know, planted and tended to so that when guests board, it's like they were always there, which is how it's always seemed to me. And that's why I've never really thought about it. But um, it's an Interesting because, so the ship was built in Finland, but they didn't get the plants and start putting them on board until the ship got to Spain for this final dry dock. And that's because, obviously, Spain is a far more hospitable climate for plants than Finland. The ship is ready to sail. It's going to be sailing January 24th. But, okay, one thing I noticed as I was reading up for this, there was something kind of buried in a story that was a little disturbing to me. While the icon is in this final dry dock stage, one of the things they're doing is, wait for it, wait for it, repairing an Ozzypod. We hear about problems with those all the time on various ships, but I mean, it's a brand new ship. What's to repair? Here's hoping that doesn't signal that they're going to have problems down the road. And a Norwegian cruise line ship is changing multiple itineraries. Why is that? Well, that's a very good question. As is often the case when we do news, there's the reason they say, and then there's the reason that I, as a cynic, 
come up with. So it turns out this is the Norwegian sky and it's impacting um, her 2023-2024 winter program. Starting with the January 29th sailing, there's a bunch of sales, sailings from January 29th through April 20th or so of 2024 that they are making changes to the itinerary and they're dropping some ports and they're going to be going slower. They say... That the reason for this is that they are, and I quote, uh, this is from a letter that they sent out. The changes are related to fuel efficiency and aim to, quote, drive a positive impact on the society and the environment, which on its surface sounds, you know, nice. (laughs) It's a good thing. We always want our cruise lines to be as efficient as possible. But it raises questions for me, like, if that is the reason, then why don't you adjust all the itineraries on all the ships to be more efficient? It just it seems very suspicious that it's just these like six or seven sailings uh, on this one ship. Um, they went on to say, we are committed to providing the best vacations at sea and have been working tirelessly to continue to elevate the quality of our offerings and overall guest experience while driving the positive impact on society and the environment as we optimize itineraries for fuel efficiency. And then they explain that that they have made this change. And, and again, I mean, they made these itineraries in the first place, knowing exactly what the, you know, it's not like they don't do studies on what the fuel efficiency on any given itinerary is going to be. So the whole thing just, I don't know, the whole thing just doesn't smell right, as my grandmother would say. It's also safe to say that if you want to save a few dollars and you want to say, hey, we're doing it for the environment, you won't get much pushback, right? Oh, 100 percent. 100 percent. I actually when I was on board uh, the getaway recently, they had one of those, you know, question and answer sessions with the captain and the hotel director. And I actually asked them uh, I said, you know, a while back, there was this whole movement toward getting rid of single-use disposable single use disposable plastics. You know, we were not going to have plastic cups and we were not going to have plastic forks and all this. And they have gotten rid of, for the most part, plastic forks. But I noticed that plastic cups are everywhere on the ship. And I asked about that. And they did exactly that. They sort of broke out talking about, you know, the impact of our actions and our sailings on society and the environment. But they didn't actually answer the question except to say it had something to do with the other thing they like to break out, which is um, the supply chain, the, mis- yeah. the, the mystical supply chain somehow has impacted their inability to get rid of plastic cups on board. So, yeah, there's a, there's a couple of you know lines that we're kind of used to them trotting out at certain points. And our last talking point here, Carnival's newest ship is, as we speak, on its inaugural voyage from Galveston, Texas. That's right. The Carnival Jubilee left the port of Galveston on Saturday. This is the third in the the XL series of ships. And in a lot of ways, she's similar to her sisters, which would be the Mardi Gras, which is the first in class of the celebration, which is the middle sister. But she also has some very, very, very cool features. And, you know, you have very slyly, um, at least twice so far during news today, mentioned, oh, you know, I was on a carnival ship recently. And um, if I'm not mistaken, it was this carnival ship (laughs) that you were on. Is that correct? Yeah, I had the opportunity to go out there on it. Um, it was actually, it went out for three days, well, two days really, and spun around in the Gulf of Mexico with no passengers. It was just 
some shoreside people, the crew, and three of us. And it was, we had this 6,500 passenger ship to ourselves for three days, and it was wild. First off, it was wild watching them still, I guess, put the finishing touches on some of the venues while we were uh, on board there. But also just, it kind of felt like The Shining, walking down the hallways and three different venues at two and three o'clock in the morning when no one was on board except the crew and they were all sleeping. So like, okay, let's talk about this for a minute. Before we talk about the actual ship, let's talk about what it's like to do that. Um, And I was curious about, because of course this is what I'm curious about, like food and drinks. Like, do they have a schedule where you have to eat in certain places or is there just like somebody hanging out at Guy's Burger like, oh, you want a burger? Sure, here you go. We were given a schedule when we got on board uh, in an envelope and it said, okay, for breakfast, you have the aft main dining room is open on deck six or the Lido buffet. Uh, For lunch, you have Blue Iguana Cantina, Guy's Burger joint, the Lido, Street Eats, uh, pizza, the deli, all that is open. And then at dinner time, pretty much any venue you wanted to go to was open because it was all a dry run. Because remember, all these crews came from different ships. So you have to make sure everyone's in sync for when passengers come on board. But yeah, everything was open at night, just like a normal functioning ship. I mean, there were the Alchemy Bar was wide open with our, our buddy there, and he only had two people there. But they were serving drinks. Um, Dr. Inks down there in the Currents area, the Mermaid Bar, that was all open. Yeah, it was wild. It was, it was a fully functioning ship with legit like 50 people from Shoreside and uh, three of us on there. And it was a great experience. Very fortunate, very blessed to even be able to do it. But just to see the action and what it's like gearing up for this big startup, because they go from having three people on board to 6,300 the very next day. That's a, that's one heck of a transition. That is like a dream to me. So when you like, let's say, let's say the three of you who are on there and the, you know, 40, 50, whatever, short sorry people, you go into the main dining room to eat. Is it like the, the, the 53 of you alone in a dining room? Yeah, but not even that many people because you also had the Lido to eat as well. And we had a two and a half hours. So people were coming and going as they please. Other places, I think we were the only table at Rudy's Sea Grill one night. I was the only person at Guy's Burger for like an hour uh, during lunch one day. I was working up there in one of the quarter booths. I mean, the coastal pizza, the beach buns, the, the deli right there next to pizza on decade. It was just, you know, you'd never see the deli or a carnival pizza place with no one in line. That's incredible. Well, let's talk a little bit about the ship because so I, I've told you before that as we, you know, I, I, I've looked at a lot of your pictures and videos from the ship. Um I loved Carnival Mardi Gras. It was the first ship, as regular listeners know, it was the first ship that I ever like loved the idea of enough that I got on a plane and flew to it. I usually don't do that. And I loved Mardi Gras. Celebration, when it came out, it didn't have the same effect for me. I didn't look at it and go, eh, you know, it was like it was okay, but it didn't seem anything all that different from Mardi Gras. When I looked at your footage and photos from this ship, from Jubilee, the same reaction I had on Mardi Gras. It just, it's beautiful. It's, it's similar, but different. And it just had a really like, like, it's beautiful. It is a beautiful, beautiful ship. When you think about like one or two of the things that really stand out about this ship for you, what would they be? Uh, probably those two zones. The 
As far as venues, probably the Currents venue on Deck 6, you have Dr. Inks and a lot of fun drinks that are there. I uh, actually had one that was Swedish, Swedish Fish and Pop Rocks. Uh, yeah, kind of weird, but that was uh, the, the combination. It was actually really good, too. Uh, and then up on Deck 8, that was the Shores, which is kind of like the boardwalk place with the pizza. And the barbecue pizza was good, and so was the Tex-Mex pizza. So... Yeah, the new the new additions were awesome on this one. And also like Mardi Gras was celebrating Bourbon Street, New Orleans, the Big Easy, and then you have Celebration celebrating Carnival's 50 years. This one really like outdoing them all with the lighting, the decor, the spaces where each ship you can say, "Hey, I remember this ship. I remember this ship. I remember Jubilee with the strange octopus at the bar." Not only that, but it you know, you know, when when you were showing me the videos uh, of the Dr. Inks area, it felt very Disney-esque to me. And I don't mean Disney cruise ship. I mean Disney as a whole with the just the amount of imagination. And in fact, it reminded me um, really of some of the stuff you find over in like the Living Seas in Epcot, where it feels like you're under the sea and the, the lighting effects and everything just sort of combine to give you that undersea feeling i i was really just massively impressed and the other thing that impressed me was looking at the menus um you know whenever a ship comes out you know usually there's at least a few new drinks at some of the new bars and stuff i saw so many new drinks with such creative names and such interesting ingredients on on not only at dr inks but um also at some of the other yeah like the marina bar up on eight the marina bar, which, by the way, looks like it took me a while. At first, I was like, what is this? And then I realized it looks like a giant lobster pot. It is the coolest thing. It looks like you are sitting inside a giant lobster pot. And, you know, down in that area with the shores, there's the beautiful lights in the ceiling that sort of look like a merry-go-rounds, um, uh, the, the roof of a merry-go-round and the, just the theming throughout is just really, really impressive, and I, I'm, I'm ecstatic about it. Uh, I, I restaurant-wise, did they introduce anything new here? Just quite a few nods to Texas. You had the Tex-Mex pizza. You had the barbecue pizza. I can't remember if they served uh, uh, pulled pork at the deli, but that's on there now. They might have always done it. I don't know. There's a beef and cheese sandwich again. Not a real big uh, deli eater on Carnival, so I'm not really sure if these were already on there or if these are nods to Texas as well, but definitely a couple. I think the hot dog thing is new, right? Like the the six or seven different kinds of hot dogs at Sea Buns? Is that what it was called? I can't remember. Hot buns. No, beach buns. Beach buns. buns. Yes. (laughs) Hot buns. (laughs) Yeah. There there was, yeah, it was just, I mean, I could talk about it all day long, but the real testament is what is it like when it has 6,300 people on board, right? Because I can, I had my own, I had a private yacht to myself for three days. (laughs) So this is, I can't wait to hear what people have to say and what it's actually like with crowds, congestion, and just the overall reaction. Two things that really, surprised me about um about and again this is from looking at pictures and video i unlike you did not get to be on it with like three people but two things that really jumped out at me were um the the golden mermaid bar which you know that bar has been on it was the brass monkey or the gold monkey or something on uh mardi gras and it was something else on celebration but i really kind of expected 
where that beautiful gold chandelier is in the middle of the room, I kind of expected that to be a mermaid, (laughs) you know, somehow like there'd be a mermaid in there somewhere and there wasn't, but what there is everywhere. And I think this is so cool is so Dr. Inks, as you mentioned, is an octopus and there are like various octopus built into the bar octopi, I suppose, but the octopus theme really carries throughout other areas of that section like like there was an octopus wearing sunglasses Mm -hmm. in the golden mermaid's mural and even christmas wise there was a christmas tree that had giant octopuses on it and when they hung the wreaths for christmas the um the the streaming wreaths they used giant octopuses as clips and i just thought that's a real attention to detail that if I'm being really honest, I don't normally associate with Carnival. It really was, it's it's like, a, it's it, like I said, it's a Disney level of attention to fun details. I, I'm, I'm just really impressed by that. I think one thing to say too is when a cruise line launches a series of ships in a class, for instance, Celebrity uh, just launched their fourth edge class ship, Celebrity Ascent. All those ships are pretty much the same. Well, the first two are a little bit different, but not much. Um, all the Oasis class ships, basically the same, where you could go on one of them and be like, I don't remember it. I have been on all of them. Was I on Symphony, Harmony, Oasis, Allure? Whereas this one, you have the different zones. So you have the same ships. Basically, the hardware is the exact same. But Mardi Gras, you have New Orleans. You have Celebrating Carnival's Legacy on Celebration. And you have the currents, the shore, the sea life on this one where you say, oh, I was just on Carnival Jubilee. Completely, completely. They they really feel like individual ships. And you're right. You know, a lot of the ship is the same. A lot of things are in the same place. But even, for example, the staircase that leads from Emeralds up to the Alchemy Bar, that there's just this beautiful, um, it's 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 glass fish that look as if they're swimming in a spiral, almost as if they're caught in a water spout up to the next level. It's and it's something I've never seen on one of their ships before. I've never seen on any other ship before. It just I, I'm I'm so excited. I feel like. I feel like this is a ship where the designers were like kids in a candy store and someone said, okay, go do whatever you want. And they did. And they had fun. And, you know, carnival ships are called the fun ships. And this seems like a really true embodiment of the fun ship. And I sound like I'm a freaking commercial for, you know, the carnival Jubilee, but I just, I don't remember the last time I found a new ship that exciting the ship is pretty much aside from the uh the decor inside of the different themes it's more of a carbon copy of celebration except like emeralds where they used to have all these booths there's no booths now and it allows them to put well for one more people but also more tables oh that's interesting i i I also i when i was on uh mardi gras I did not feel as if Emeralds was appreciated, <laughs> you know, like any, I went there twice at least and there was nobody there. There was never anybody there. So I, I really, I'm glad to see them continuing with this because I'm hoping that it is more successful than I have in my mind as being, because 
I think I think Emerald is a really fun restaurant. And I mean, you know, they've invested quite a bit in this partnership since he is their chief culinary officer. So you want to see that succeed. That and the jambalaya at Emerald's restaurant on the oh. ship is five dollars and in Vegas at the MGM Grand, thirty three dollars. Yeah, you will not go hungry. I mean, we always say you won't go hungry on any ship. This ship has a lot of good food and I mean, there's a lot of free food, too. You know, it's not just a situation where they put a lot of restaurants on and they're all um, I think Carnival probably has. Again, I sound like an ad for Carnival, which is funny because I've only done like two or three Carnival sailings. Um, But I think Carnival has more free food than almost maybe than any other line. I mean, when you think about guys and big chicken and the buffet and i know i i know there's like several other oh the street eats and you know they're they're all free and you don't find as much i find more places are moving toward increasing their specialty restaurants as opposed to their like for example holland america um it doesn't really have all that many restaurants on board and what they do have is is um, outside of the main dining rooms is largely specialty restaurants that are, you know, at a fairly hefty fee. Yeah. So I don't know. I'm I'm just really excited about this. I really might have to try and, you know, find a flight and get down there and do this show. All right, man, my voice is starting to go. So I will talk to you next week. Happy New Year. Staff writer Richard Sims, as always. Thank you. I Thank you. I appreciate being here. Have a question or a comment for the show? Yeah. Send an email or voice memo to Doug at CruiseRadio.net. A big question we get at Cruise Radio is, how do I know if I need trip insurance? Simple answer. If you're getting on a plane, taking a road trip, or getting on a cruise ship, you need to have travel insurance. Hey, it's Doug Parker for my friends at TripInsurance.com. Not not only does TripInsurance.com protect your vacation investment, but it also gives you peace of mind in case anything were to go wrong on your trip. How do they do it? They offer three different types of trip insurance policies. Good, better, and best. One policy for every vacation budget. But it doesn't just stop there. They're up to 40% lower when you shop around on other comparison sites. Plus, TripInsurance.com offers 24-hour customer support before, during, and after your trip, online claims assistance, and travel alerts to let you know what's going on at your destination. But find out for yourself. Check out TripInsurance.com. The world is constantly changing. Your place for news is still the same. Online and on demand at cruiseradio.net. All right, Dougie, let's see what we got for you, buddy. Cruise Radio is produced at the TripInsurance.com studios in Jacksonville, Florida. Get cruise news, ship reviews, and money-saving tips every Thursday on Cruise Radio. If you've enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to the show. If you want to help spread the word, give Cruise Radio a five-star review. Find Cruise Radio where you listen to your favorite podcast or online at cruiseradio.net. I'm your announcer. When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia, movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details.